Okay, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, podcast where I get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. Today, I have such a special guest in the building. I mean, I've been watching her YouTube videos forever. She probably doesn't know this. Uh, reached out to her, you know, a couple months ago, tried to get her on the podcast, and I'm happy that she agreed to come on our little old platform. So thank you, Benda. How's it going? I'm good. I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Benda is, uh, you're tuning in from Cali, right? Los Angeles? Yes. Los Angeles, California. It's currently 73 right now. That's cold for us. Um, I know people don't like to hear that in the the East Coast, but I'm I'm wearing my sweater. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mbenda Ndor, are you related to Yusu Ndor by any chance? Um, probably like down the line. I know like the, the Ndor name is, there's like a direct lineage. So everyone who has that name is like directly related somehow, but I don't think he's like directly in my family like that. But yeah. Like I royalty or something like that name or? Yeah. Yeah. It's like part of the, the gear, you know, clan is that, I don't know how I would say it in English, but, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Gear. It's like a direct lineage to, uh, the Kings back then. Love it. Love it. And you're a queen. Look at that. So it's your blood. So (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Okay. So this interview will probably go, right. We'll probably spend like 30 minutes or no, we'll probably spend like 10 minutes talking about all your accomplishments, like what you want to do in the future. We'll probably spend like 40 minutes arguing about Senegalese Jello versus Nigerian Jello. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good (laughs) time allocation for the topics. Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) She was like, Sure. I'm sure you're tired of Nigerians uh, hearing that stuff, but uh, I mean, I just have to plug it there. Anyone I interview, inter- I've interviewed a bunch of Ghanaians, but you're my first Senegalese on the podcast. So. Oh my God. I mean, our name, our language is Wolof. Like, it's our name. Wolof, Jerof, Potato, Potato. I mean, you made a hot verse. We made a hot song. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, man. Benda is, man, you're so inspiring. Like, I have three sisters, and I literally, like, sent them your Instagram page. I said, look, I'm having her on the podcast. Like, I, I try to use, like, women like yourself to try to motivate my sisters, right? My sisters are, like, what, 24, 22, and 19 or something? And I'm like, look, there's no reason why you can't have it both. Like, there's no reason why you can't achieve, you know, obviously, environment has something to do with it. A lot of African countries are very, you know, patriarchal that kind of thing but i always try to push them and say look like you can do it like don't like succumb to the stereotype i say that to say like ben has a beauty queen she also works in the tech industry as a software engineer like it's not every day you see that combination and we're going to peel back the layers of how you got to this point exactly but talk to me about growing up like i read on your blog that you know you're like first generation senegalese like your parents drove you around the 50s state but what do you remember about growing up in america uh so yeah i I am a first generation, so um, I have 18 siblings. But nice, very African. Very African, yes. But I'm the second to last. So it's like being and then my younger brother, who's a year younger than me. And um, me and my younger brother would drive around the whole country with my parents in a van. They were art dealers. So we would just go from state to state doing different types of shows and stuff. And um, I didn't even know that wasn't like normal because I would skip a lot of school. I think there was a point where like I skipped like the entire fourth grade. So the cops were like, you know, she has to go to school. So then I started really like kind of. 
got involved interesting yeah because they were like i was like leaving like for like half the week or so my parents were just like oh we're teaching her she'll be fine like they they wanted to implement like homeschooling as well but so but that's not how it works in america really so um once i kind of settled back into like a okay i'm um going to school every day figuring this out because my parents they really do value education so um once i was kind of just less to really focus on schooling and stuff like that i kind of fell in love with the math and science side so my brother and i were always trying to create some magical concoction using rubitussin and like tums or something or like trying to figure out who's in a who can solve the math problems the fastest we would do that like in the van or we do that at home like when we're home all the time so it was very much my childhood was very much a lot of just inventing and discovering um with my younger brother so um i very much value our friendship obviously he's one of my best friends but um once i got into college i kind of honed that so um i think it's like an african joke where it's like you have the choice of being like a doctor lawyer engineer like you kind of have to choose no it's just uh, the joke is it's either you're a doctor or a lawyer or a disgrace that's three options yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, my parents gave me engineer. Also, they threw in a hat in there. Like, you want to be an engineer? You can do that one too. Or, yeah, disgrace, death, <laughs> same thing. So, um, I chose engineering, and um, I went through the different fields of engineering because engineering—that's that's a very broad term, right? So, um, I tried civil engineering. I tried mechanical. I tried electrical because I was like, well, what do these things? do like what do they offer me uh i wasn't really feeling them until i tried my first computer science class and i was like okay this is kind of cool you know you're creating but it's also uh very heavily in the math side so i stuck with that and it worked out so i graduated with my uh, bachelor's of science in computer science and then uh, a minor in math and a minor in africana studies because i am really passionate about um black history african history and history in general but um yeah that's that was my upbringing really in America. Nice, nice. I mean, you being passionate about like Africana studies and like black history, you grew up in, I'll dare to say like a traditional African household, even though you didn't grow up like in Africa yet. Were you born here? Just just curious. Yeah, I'm the first American in my family. So I was born here, but it, it almost felt like I might as well have been raised in Senegal because, you know, we had a very tight knit Senegalese community that I grew up in. My best friends are Senegalese. Uh, my parents' best friends are Senegalese. The house we speak Wolof, you know, we eat Senegalese food. So uh, I was very steeped into a Senegalese culture growing up. Yeah, in fact, that was what I was about to ask. Like you growing up, like you having 18 siblings, uh, your parents like using their children for free labor. That's like a typical African household. You're moving around all these 50 states and, you know, going to school where the police has to tell you that, hey, you don't need to be in school. Like how much of a problem was code switching? Did you have to code switch at a young age? Did you notice at all like when you go to school or go like I go to places outside of um I definitely had to code switch for survival because um I don't know if you experienced like the bullying you get from being African you know the African booty scratcher and all that so uh, I definitely learned at, at an early age to um hide being African. So because I didn't really grow up around um, Black Americans, I mainly grew up around Hispanic and white people. I feel like I um, assimilated into that culture very, very quickly when I was younger. So me and my brother, like we would almost like try and whitewash our names too and just try and speak like whatever properly means. How do you whitewash Amanda? Amanda. 
<laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. Yes, because I didn't want to be bullied for being African. I was ashamed of it. And um, even around Black Americans, I would make sure they didn't know that I was African. So I very much, yeah, learned the code switch quickly. So um, it took a long time to kind of deprogram that mentality. I think it was when I got into college and I took my first Black history class is when I really was like, oh my God, you know, and um, I was able to start my healing journey of just accepting myself, accepting my Blackness and my Africanness as two different identities, but still identities that define me. Yeah. And to be honest, that's one thing I took for granted or I take for granted, like, you know, growing up back home in Nigeria and only moving to the States, you know, in my 20s, like I I didn't really have that problem. We have other problems, obviously, back home, but that identity, like we would have like my cousins and friends who would come back from the States who have issues with that identity or maybe wouldn't know how to pronounce their name or speak the language or who have problems navigating. They're too African when they're in America and they're too American when they're in Africa. Like, did you have a chance to go back? Have you been back home to Senegal? So I've never been. There was always some issue with my passport that my parents were like, okay, something like God was telling us something that you're not supposed to go right now. So you're just, you're just hitting all the African points. Passport issues, God. I had a dream. Like, <laughs> I had a dream. <laughs> they had a dream. I don't know, but they were just like, like, this this. isn't, we don't want to force it or something. So I just never got to go, but I do, inshallah, I was planning on going next year. I wanted to go this year or last year, but you know, coronavirus happened. But um, yeah, in, in the Senegalese community, like I'm very much, they call me like the American. So I'm very much known for not being African enough. So I definitely understand what you're talking about. Like, I I don't feel like I'm African enough for uh, the Senegalese community. And I don't feel like black enough for the black community sometimes or um, or even American enough for the American community. But I feel like I struggled a lot with uh, my black black identity because I never felt like I was able to like really um, feel like I belong sometimes. But it's just about meeting your right tribe. That's what I learned as I grew up because, um, you know, I I like a bunch of nerd stuff. You know, I'm obsessed with anime. You know, I do beauty pageants. I do a bunch of random things that I don't really see. I didn't really see black people doing growing up. So um, I just thought, okay, I, I can't really fit in. I can't really relate you know i'm being bullied because of the things that i like i'm being bullied because you know i have a, a quote-unquote weird last name so i don't know how to fit into this culture but um again like as i grew up and i was able to find other black people who liked what i liked i was able to more identify with my blackness and explore it with the people who have my common interests because black people are not a monolith you know not all black people like one thing you know we all have different tastes and experiences and backgrounds so once you find your tribe i think you're able to reconcile with your identity a lot faster than if you were to just do that healing on your own yeah black people are not a monolith for sure like different jollofs everywhere um yes. <laughs> i mean it's funny it's funny how some of the things like we grew up thinking were detriments actually can become a superpower you know in future like you being that bridge between all these different cultures like i kind of like relate to it in a way even though i'm not like i wouldn't consider myself like i wasn't born here and things like that but at least i've lived here for a while like i'm from nigeria i can understand that part i've interviewed people from all these countries i've traveled a lot like i can see from like different lenses and you can you know now 
now, especially with this whole DEI thing that's going on in a lot of industries, you can be that bridge. Look at what, uh, what's your name? Uh, the CMO of Netflix, or my boss is doing like Bosoma St. John, you know, things like that. Being that bridge between, you know, tech and like, you know, black people and like, you know, women and like BIPOC, like different things. It can suddenly like be a superpower. So um, I appreciate that you're in that space. Uh, but let me ask you this. So you mentioned a whole bunch of things, right? Like whenever I look at you, like you're in tech, you do beauty pageants, you live in California, like Issa Rae just pops my, you're Senegalese, like she is, like, or, you know, she has Senegalese heritage. You know, this whole awkward black girl type of thing, uh, vibe that you guys kind of like have going on. Like what spurred you? Like, I know engineering was kind of like your parents say, hey, don't disgrace us going to engineering. You did that. You found your niche with computer science. But what spurred you into trying out the beauty pageant landscape? Like you've contested in all these beauty pageants. I think you're actually crowned like Miss Washington like 2020 or something like that yeah like what what intrigued you about the whole world well first of all it's actually hilarious with Issa Rae because her dad is a doctor and he was basically the doctor to every Senegalese kid so he was my doctor growing up and nice yeah I, she goes to actually she used to go to all the Senegalese parties so I've met her a few times she's an amazing woman you're, but, not, you're not um, insecure season five okay <laughs> I feel like I can push you into like an extra role or something <laughs> That would be, be hilarious. But um, I feel like with beauty pageants, it's just something I've always loved. And when I try and like think back at like my first real experience, it's um, when I went to Oklahoma, it's, you know, when we used to travel to the States, um, I was in Oklahoma and um, we were doing a fair there. And I think I was like maybe seven or eight years old, but I met this girl. She was like, she was white with blue eyes and she had like this big blonde hair and she had a crown on her head. She was uh, like a little miss Oklahoma. And we used to say that we were twins because her name was Amanda. My name was close to Amanda. And so we just run around holding hands around the fair all the time. And we would just have so much fun. And I remember we'd always get stopped because she would have to like do something, you know, because she was um, a beauty queen at the time. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like it looks like so much fun. And I feel like that was like the seed that was planted because we were just having so much fun. Like there wasn't like anything weird. Like it wasn't like a I don't know. We weren't thinking about like race or anything like that. You know, it was just so it was just two kids having fun. You know, that's a memory I like to look back at. But um, yeah, after that, I feel like I really got into beauty pageants, like watching them and like, you know, watching toddlers and TRs and all that. But participating, I never thought that I could participate because I had never seen black people do it. I just never did. So I it didn't even cross my mind to actually compete until um it was like, I think maybe two, three years ago now where um, there's this girl, she has a YouTube channel. It's called Beauty and Brains. Her name is Breland Hunt and she's going to medical school and she competes in beauty pageants. And when I saw that, I was like, wait, you're black and you're competing in a pageant. I don't understand. And then I realized, oh, wait, let me try it. So that made me realize just first of all, how important representation is like seeing someone who looks like you do something. It's almost like a little validation that makes you feel like, wait, I can also do it. So her competing in a beauty pageant made me think okay so let me try this and i tried it and um i guess i fulfilled a childhood dream honestly ever since nice nice i mean we've had black beauty queens like from vanessa williams and and some of all these people but i guess it just goes to show like your community like representation just black people are not a monolith so as far as you know like you're representing like you know first generation immigrants i'm telling my sisters about you my sister might not know like vanessa williams but they'll definitely know you like because you're closer they can 
can identify with you more. And it's interesting that you kind of like choose the step. And I love the way you kind of like compete. Obviously, I, I wasn't there live, but just kind of like looking back at online stuff, the way you present yourself is almost like, yeah, you're applying like that engineering analytical mind to computing, to competing in beauty pageants. Like, is that your strategy for going into these things? Because I'm like, man, she's just like knocking these girls off the podium or whatever you guys say, like left, right and center. Like, I, I feel like your brain, like once you've studied so hard to think a certain way, I think you just end up applying it to everything in your life. I feel like especially when it comes to coding, there's a specific way you need to think like a logic based way. So everything I do, I just end up applying that. Um, but I feel like with beauty pageants, what makes me a little bit different is my angle of coding. My passion in life is to teach people how to code to get them out of poverty. So that is my whole thing. And I pour my passion into that and they can see it because it's a real intangible thing that we can do. You only need a computer and some Wi-Fi, you know, anyone can do it. So that's something I'm really, really trying to make sure that they see and understand and kind of like remove the veil of like mystery around like what is a programmer? What is a software engineer? What is a, you know, a coder? So that they can see that, oh yeah, this is something my kid can do. My daughter can do. My son can do. You know, someone who's experiencing homelessness can do. Anybody can do it. Man, we need you back home, man. We're gonna, we're gonna start the culture Absolutely. class coding class. Can I use class twice? Cultural <laughs> class coding conference, CCCC, with Benda, you know, every December, we're going back to Lagos. <laughs> 1,000%. That is my ultimate dream to like bring free coding to all of Africa. That's like, that's the life goal. Facts. And all you need to do is to show uh, African parents your, 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 your payslip and, and they'll be like, you know what? So you have to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, or a coder. Eh? That coder, <laughs> if I focus. That's kind of like how football became popular in Nigeria. Like everyone didn't want their kids to, to play football but once uh, Mikel and Kano and all these guys got into the Premier League and were paid like I think Mikel was paid like 83,000 pounds a week or something crazy African parents were like Junior this is a new ball this is the back <laughs> <laughs> you have to practice four hours a day you know going all, all of our ball on the thing but you know it's all good let me talk to you a little bit about how exactly because you mentioned that you tried civil engineering you tried electrical engineering you later like fell into computer science there are a lot of people looking at this and saying look i, I can't i cannot do this this is left to zuckerberg and all the other robots in the world like i I can't like I can't even fathom. I, I don't even like math. I don't know how to use Excel. How do I even start? So what's kind of like an easy, relatable way you can speak to someone listening to this now who might be you know 19 or 21 somewhere in Ghana, somewhere somewhere in Missouri that hey you know this can be done if you follow these particular steps and these are low hanging fruits you can probably start on your journey to become a coder. So there's two things because it depends on which path you're willing to. To take. So if you are wanting to look into the path of schooling, like you say, you want to go into computer science or software engineering. Um, the thing with math is that it has a really bad reputation. Everyone says they hate math, but you hate what you don't understand. And I feel like math is like riding a bike and you need to make yourself get on this bike and pedal every single day until you can get on this bike and just ride forever. So you need to strip back. Like if you don't understand something, that means you didn't understand the foundation before it. So you need to keep stripping back and back and back. Like I had to, when I first started taking like my cop, calculus class, 
I had to strip back until I got to fractions, basically, because that's where the confusion was getting to me. And I think it's because I had skipped the fourth grade. I feel like that fractions like really messed me up. So once I got there, I built my way back up and math ended up being my favorite subject. So that's one way that I feel like people can tackle their math fear. But if they want to just kind of look at this as how can I tangibly start something, I would say, think about how you can create something that will make your life easier. Um, Bukola, I don't know if you know who she is, but she has a channel that used to help come up yeah, on um, YouTube. She created a YouTube video about um, how she automates Spotify. So if you don't feel like, you know, opening your Spotify every day or doing something like that, how could you create like a script that will make this combination quick for you? Like think of how you can apply coding into your life so that you can learn something really small and go from there. So if you can create something that you're really passionate about, something that's not going to take you that long, super quick to learn all the basics, then it won't feel as big. You know, you're not creating the next Instagram. You're not creating the next. Yes. You're creating something that will help you do something else a lot faster. So that's how I would start personally. If, um, if I can start all over again, that's the way I would go. My mentor used to always tell me to recreate the Amazon website. If I wanted to learn a new language, that's another way that I would also go. But really just before you even start on this journey, I need you to sit there and ask yourself, do I actually want to do this? If you don't like coding or programming, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. Like there's no point. There's, there's so many jobs out there that make money in tech. It doesn't have to include programming, you know, programming is just a small facet of it. And there's no point in being miserable 40 hours a week when you don't have to. So especially with all the learning that you have to do to even get there, the combinatorial algorithms, the, you know, the different levels of calculus, it's, it's just so much work that if you aren't passionate or in, at least enjoying what you're doing, it's not going to be worth it in the long run. Believe me, I've seen so many friends go into programming thinking that I'm just doing it for the money and they end up burning out within a year or two. They end up not staying in the industry. So I think that's the first step you need to figure out. Facts. I totally understand. Like you said so many things and we're going to unpack it a little bit. Um, yeah, like me, I can relate it to my story. Like, you know, there's this whole craze about, you know, data science and analytics data science and analytics and i tried it for a little bit you know i tried you know python and some of that stuff i was like oh this isn't my thing like i could probably like coast through like have some type of mediocre career i wouldn't be the top of my class or anything but like i don't feel good doing this you know but you know when you talk about like operations or sales or whatever like that's kind of like more my forte like how do we humanize this problem take it look at the tools used to solve it and package and deliver it in a way you know that makes it useful to people that's kind of like my forte so yeah people really need to you know you know going back to the football thing people once they saw Mikel was making $83,000 a week they want to start playing even though they haven't like even though maybe tennis would have been more their thing just thought they could play football so you know really dig down to see if that's something you want to do long term you mentioned you know simple things like hey you know a lot of engineers i talk to talk talk about productivity apps hey you know their first thing was making a calendar or a calculator or you know a, a clock something very simple and you know reiterating on your own personal website and being on that bicycle doing it every day but there's one thing you mentioned a little bit but i want you to expand on mentorship you mentioned my mentor said do this how important was that for you transitioning or becoming a coder so um my mentor he was 
a professor um, at, my, at my university. I actually met him because he created uh, this program called Metalab where students can apply. Yeah, it's, it's honestly amazing. Um, students could apply to become programmers at little like startup, basically. And you'd have to start off with an internship where they have a boot camp that you'd have to learn Laravel for the summer. And then you do the internship. If you like it, you're good. Then they hire you to be either a front-end developer, a back-end developer, operations, or marketing. And you have paid, you know, programming experience on your resume. And they were big projects, like, you know, creating a towing system for the uh, the police department at that, um, I think it was the Northridge Police Department. But it was, it was really big, big projects that we can put on our resumes that made us stand out so much compared to other people who were just graduating. And so um, he kind of took me under his wing because I was working on a project that uh, he created and his advice was invaluable at a lot of for a lot of things. Um, if I was stuck on something, I would ask him if I had like career advice, like, should I go this path? Should I go that path? I would ask him. And um, I do feel like mentors and mentorship is a little bit underrated. It's not something that is talked about. And um, it's just hard because it's there's not a lot of mentors out there. And sometimes it's hard to find one and it's hard to ask. You don't really know how to, but it's it's the people that you trust. Sometimes you probably don't even know that you have a mentor. Like I didn't consider my professor my mentor. I just thought he was my professor, but I didn't realize how much he was helping me until I graduated from college. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I can still email him and ask him to this day. So think about the people that you trust the most right now. Like, who are you asking for help? Who are you going to? Those also are mentors and you can cultivate that relationship. Yep. They say that's uh, the first rule of getting a mentor. Don't ask anyone to be your mentor officially. It's just a relationship there's an undertone of mentorship but it's not like okay sign here you're now my official mentor type of thing but what are some tips i know yours was a little bit it fell on your lap it took you under your wing but from your experience like what are some tips that someone who thinks they need a mentor in a particular field can be proactive to getting a mentor well it's a lot easier well actually it depends so if you were in the academic route then i would highly recommend utilizing your office hours with your professors going there every week even if you don't have a questions on the, on the actual topics that you're studying you can have a question about something else but you are slowly building that relationship every week they know your face it helps you with your grade when you have to round up at 89 percent to an a it really helps when you're there every single week and that can become a mentor but um for the non-academic routes i would definitely recommend going to conferences getting involved in the local clubs that people have. So there's a lot of, especially on Twitter and Slack, there's a lot of um, clubs that people go to meet like uh, Black people in tech or Hispanic people in tech. There's lots of um, little pods and hives that people have where they can ask questions to each other. And sometimes they're not older than you. They're not maybe younger than you. They're like maybe the same age, but a mentor doesn't have to be someone who's way older than you. It could just be someone who has a different perspective in this industry than you do. And you can ask for help. So that's something that I would do if I didn't do the academic route, because when I was going to conferences and I was in those um, tech pods, especially on Facebook and on Slack, I was meeting a lot of different people and I was getting a lot of advice from different, I mean, different parts of the industry. Oh, LinkedIn also. And I guess I didn't even realize, but I kind of met mentors through there as well. But I just have a stronger relationship, of course, with the mentor that I've been with the longest. But yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well said, well said. And, and if I could add to that also, also try to have something to offer, you know, as well, because, you know, no one wants to take on, uh, how would I put this, a freeloader or, you know, whatever, like also show that you're dedicated to actually achieving something and that drive, even like you said, you know, someone took you under the wing because they probably saw something in you that you probably seeing yourself at the time, that type of thing. And I was listening to a podcast with the founder of Upsy, uh, this uh, a black gentleman who was an ex-con or he was convicted. I don't know if he eventually went to prison, but I know he was in jail. And he actually met like the former CEO of Best Buy at the gym. And the CEO of Best Buy just used to go to this gym in, uh, I think it was in Minnesota or something. Best Buy is his headquarters in Minnesota. And, you know, for nine months, just noticed that guy, you know, as, as an ex-con, he was working in a gym because that was a job he could get, blah, blah. I just noticed that oh, this dude, you know, is always there, you know, cleaning up, making sure everybody's good, that he has a good good work ethic to him. And he just took him under his ring. That's like the former, I think it was the CEO at the time, man. You know, like fast forward eight years later, dude learned to walk from him learns a lot about corporate America and now he's the founder of a startup. I think they raised like you know, 30 million or something some crazy thing but you know it just just goes to show that you know you also have to have something to offer and you know don't just say hey you know I, I need to get here you're my mentor you're gonna get me there you also have to put in your own kind of like effort um, yes especially because this industry has such a high turnover rate because people underestimate the level of difficulty so they'll go in it. yeah they'll think oh this is easy you know I can just quickly learn this and that's it but they're gone like within two months or so so if you do have something to offer and you do show that you're serious and you're passionate and you do this stuff you know even when you don't you're not getting paid then um yeah the doors will open for you facts 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 man i appreciate you spilling all this game man on, on my podcast like uh you know a bunch of people are listening i try to have people from you know different places i think my my last interview was with like a cop or but you know never know where you find inspiration and you know, definitely someone will probably be DMing you or emailing you or sending you a postcard or something. Of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like this. All right, let's talk about like kind of like what you see in the future. Like what's going to be in the future for you? Are you going to be competing in more pageants? Are you going to go for that Miss America thing? Like what are you going to do? Do you see yourself starting a comfortable? You said you want to, you know, teach coding to, um, you know, BIPOC and, and less privileged as a way to get out of poverty. How are you going to achieve that? Is that going to be like in a kind of like an initiative or a company like what do you see here are you going to be in insecure season six <laughs> <laughs> probably not but <laughs> i feel like my future right now like at the place i am in my life i really 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 want to focus on giving back as much as i possibly can so my ultimate goal is to just I know I'm not going to eradicate poverty, obviously, but I want to help as many people as I can in my lifetime. So um, something in the immediate future is going to be opening schools in Senegal to teach girls and boys how to code so that I can give them like a tangible skill that they can use to help themselves. And I think that's really all Africa needs. They just need a little bit of help. You know, we're people always say, or at least Africans were always saying that we are the richest continent you know, in the world, in terms of minerals, in terms of like culture, in terms of knowledge. So if we just give a little bit of help, then it will take off. So I want to get back to my own country. You know, I, I really, really, really am going to make sure that in 2022, that's like my main, main focus, but, um, locally, because Los Angeles also is my home. It's forever going to be my home. Um, 
there Forever? is really yeah well you know no matter where i am in the world i feel like la will always be my home also you know You're running for mayor people <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> okay i love la but um you know i i just there's a, a program that I recently discovered it's called Food on Foot. And um, they have a sub program called, I think it's called Work for Food. I need to find it. But what they basically do is help people who are experiencing homelessness get off the streets. And they do that by, um, there's different levels of the program. So there's green shirts where you work a minimum hours a week and you volunteer, and then you graduate to a gray shirt where they get you your own apartment. They pay for everything. Down they actually wear the shirts? Uh, when they come to volunteer, but they don't have to wear the actual shirts. No, no, that's what I mean. Like when they're, yeah, got it. Yeah, when they're there, they actually wear the shirts. And um, everything is paid for for them down to like a gym membership. And they have to work full time and they give their paychecks to the program. And the program puts it in a savings account for them until it reaches $5,000. And then they give them that $5,000. And now you have your little nest egg. You have your full-time job. They're still helping you. And they have an 85% success rate with the people who come in there who are homeless to, you know, being a productive member of society. So um, I am going to be donating my skills, like my, my coding skills to teach these people how to code so that they can get into a tech industry because it's one thing I love about tech is that it's definitely not classes in the way like that you need like a degree. You don't need a degree in order to be an, a software engineer. So you can teach it to anybody. That's what I love so much. And if I can teach people who are experiencing homelessness how to code and potentially change their lives, then that's I'm going to go full steam ahead with that. So those are the things that I'm I'm planning on doing in 2022. And so push me. I love it. I love it. I love it. Like, now I just love how ambitious, like how, like your head and you, you seem so young, you are young and you know, just all these things you're doing, like definitely running for mayor. I can see that uh, maybe president, who knows? Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I'm in the trucking industry my, myself, my startup is in trucking and there's this organization, I think they're in, I'm not sure if they're in LA, but I'm sure they're in California. It's called Free World. And they also help like homeless and formerly incarcerated people to kind of like use trucking as a means to financial stability because it's difficult to get a job when you're like formally incarcerated, you have a record, all these things. So um, doing that with coding to solve that homelessness problem is, is also really good because what use are the, are the skills we have? What use is me, you know, having a podcast or a platform if I'm not like bringing people like you on to kind of like talk about, speak truth to power, talk about things that will inspire people probably, you know, take the next step in their life. So I definitely appreciate that. If there's any way we can help, man, hey, CCCC, the call ultra class coding conference or whatever it is like i have talked to people from over 50 countries i've built this little network of uh people from different places some people have gone back to their various countries so culture class even if it's as little as posting on social media let us know what you're doing like we'll definitely want to amplify that voice uh thank you so much uh benda for being on podcast oh, i forgot to ask you one question so you're most you're muslim right okay. i am you, yeah yeah i said inshallah like earlier in the episode and oh yeah i, like, I don't mean Myself saying it. Yeah, how does that like being Muslim? I know like Cesar, the artist, was Muslim. I knew I, I I watched an interview about her, you know, talking about her growing up Muslim and being in the entertainment industry, how that was a little iffy with our family. I can kind of like speak like the same for you. You grew up Muslim, you're in LA of all places, you're competing beauty pageants. Like, how is that is your is your dad or your mom like very uh, conservative like how did you explain all that to them uh they definitely were not a fan 
uh, I think they still kind of aren't. They're, well, they're, they're, they're on the AC now. then. They're not a fan, just an AC. Yeah, they're just, it's, I, it's because they are very conservative. And my country is also very conservative. So they were just like, cool. But I, I think it's like an African thing of like, once you start being, it doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you become successful and they can brag about you to their friends, that's really what they care about. Show so, your pay slip. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So <laughs> once I started to like bring like the trophy and stuff, they're like, oh, that's great. And, but before it was like, they're trying to strangle me. So, I mean, I guess it's fine now, but that was definitely um, kind of touch and go. I I would say with like my parents for a little bit, but yeah, I'm glad I, I brought him a crown or else I would have probably been disgraced. Yeah. <laughs> I, I flipped it on my dad. I was like, you took me around for all those art exhibitions. Why do you think I picked it up from? You know, that's, <laughs> that's probably true. Actually, I like, do what I say. Don't do what I do. <laughs> but it's all good, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast once again. Uh, obviously, you like you have a YouTube channel. Um, you, you have all these various projects you're working on. I like to give my guests like if you want to plug like your like your YouTube channels, your email, your social security number, your address. You know, you, we can pass through your your birth certificate on the episode artwork. <laughs> All that info for people to reach out to you. Or if you just want to like speak to your future self or this, or speak to that little girl in, somewhere in West Africa or, or East Africa or somewhere in the U.S., uh, you kind of like have the floor to do that. Uh, honestly, I, I'm starting to get back into YouTube. I kind of had a step away a bit because I got a new position at work and it was like getting really demanding. So it was hard to like juggle everything. But um, yeah, my YouTube is Senegadis. Everything is Senegadis. Please ask me any questions that you have people are always coming to me with advice sometimes like questions that i don't know i can answer like should i move across the country uh, i'm not too sure but if it's stuff that's like abuse I your power abuse yeah. your power say yes move <laughs> move abroad <laughs> i mean if it's like, like peter till drop out of college <laughs> i think i would probably cry like i i can never be like president i can be vice president but i can never be like president my heart is too soft honestly why, but why are you saying that why you wait president of what do you have anything like yeah just of anything like i am very much like a i lead with my heart really so like i try That's and help everyone. leaders who lead with their heart actually so that qualifies <laughs> you to be president right <laughs> fair enough Okay, touche. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, if it's anything that I can actually answer, I would be more than happy to help anybody who like needs advice or anything like that. Um, to that little girl out there, life is hard and it's c- going to continue to be hard, but it's really about how you handle it. Um, being a black woman in itself is a political statement, but you have to understand that there's nothing that you can do about how people perceive you. All you can do is be yourself and go after what you truly want. Not what anyone else wants but what you truly want and if you can get help across along the way with community then please do that i know it sometimes can feel like you can't find a community but it is out there if you look and just remind yourself that you can do something little every single day as long as you're consistent and as long as you stay true to yourself walk into that room full of men with your heads held high and take the lead role and the world will open to you so articulate moments but standing over (laughs) (laughs) appreciate you appreciate you yeah go follow her uh sunny goddess uh very intentional name by the way Uh, 
Send these goddess, I get it. You know, Nigerians, yeah. please do not drop your cash app in her DMs. Please don't disgrace us. <laughs> but you can give her flack about, you know, having shitty jollof rice. That's fine. Oh my God. <laughs> we yeah, before she has a comeback, let's close the episode real quick. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's always refreshing talking to other Black people who are in the industry. So I love what you're doing. Please keep going. We need your voice in there too. So very much appreciate you. All right, guys. It's been another episode of the Culture Class Podcast. Uh, follow us uh, on all social media as Culture Class Podcast. Website is cultureclasspodcast.com. Uh, send us an email, cultureclass at gmail.com. Tongwa will probably guest host in the next few episodes. Uh, she has a bunch of announcements about that. This episode will probably drop after she does that. But yeah, let me know if I betrayed you guys or not. And let me know what you think about that. All right, guys. Till next time, be well.